Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder Doctors, they call it ADHD to make it shorter Lots of us, we have it, but the name is such a bummer Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder That's the name we tell children that they have It's a term longer than supercalifragilisticexpialidocious The name has 15 syllables and none of them are great It's hard to hear you have a deficit when you are 8 And lots of times it's not even hyperactivity Hello and good evening my name is Josh, and I'm joined this week by brand new co-host, Bob! We're the folks who are going to be fine, the maddest reason, and the unreasonable makes sense that it out to us, because this is okay! Hear me out! Bob! How are you doing this evening? <laughs> um, other than the broken ankle, fine. Totally fine. Coping well. <laughs> Very good. By, by coping well, you mean you have uh, uh, copious amounts of copium from the doctor, right? Um, no, I'm a hippie. I don't. I don't take any copium, oh, oh, any ibuprofen. You have your okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no oxy, cotton, none of that bullshit. I'm just walking on it like a fucking man. What like about your your daily ba baby Advil or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I just Tylenol. I just popped some some Advil. <laughs> oh, thank God. Whew. <laughs> I, I was I was uh, concerned for a second that I might be recording a podcast with an unmedicated co-host. That's just <laughs> not well, okay. Now that you mention it, my Ritalin wasn't working today. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have for us today, Josh? Oh, I, I just I wanted to let people know if, if their Ritalin's also not working uh -oh. today, um, how how they should let us know. They can call in at 1-833-666-911. Again, that's 1-833-666-0911. That totally slipped my mind. I'm sorry, Josh, and also listeners. Cash you, honey. <laughs> yeah, clearly your real is not working. We can't focus on a, uh, saying the voicemail number. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll that's put like that, almost as important as the science segment of the show. I'll, I'll put my, my great... Uh, ability to focus in, in your topic today. How about that? And we'll get it done. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Okay, <laughs> that uh, was not <laughs> sarcastic. I don't think. <laughs> so, um, my my what I want to talk about today is uh, a little. So, we talk a lot about in the show about where science is at, what scientists have discovered, but I want to talk about the future, futurism, kind of what's going on with science that's cutting edge, what's coming up for science, and how like all of our sci-fi hopes and dreams are pretty much on the horizon. Like five years from now, uh, the flying car society is real. It's going to happen. Is it? How close are we to the flying car? I, well, okay. I, I don't actually have a segment on flying cars, but... Okay. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure some version of the flying car is actually already here, and uh, you you just you know haven't been keeping up with the science news. Mm. So no flying cars in the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> what a skeptic! Oh my gosh, this 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 may be a little bit more a uh, more difficult of argument than I thought. They're called helicopters, people. Don't be retarded. Those are your flying cars. Yes, if, They're loud and they use a lot of fuel. And it takes, it's not just a fucking like, like a six cylinder engine. Come on, wake up. Well, that's, right. well, that, that's the thing. They're, they're not practical. We have, we have electric planes, electric helicopters that are uh, currently in, in testing in beta that will make the, the, our actual dream of flying cars real. 
Okay. I should. I think. Wait. I might actually have a YouTube short of that. That like on hand where we can uh we can segue to that. That or I might come back to that later. But uh, <laughs> let's come back. Leo to that. Abram is that the name of the chick on YouTube? Leo. Have you heard of her? Yeah, Cleo Abram. Oh, Cleo. No, no, I don't think so. Okay, I, I, I'm sure I've linked something uh, by her in chat uh, before. Um, she, she's a, a science YouTuber, and she like is she's bad at having good substance and like novel arguments in her videos. That's that's kind of my summary of what she does. Hmm. Okay in 60 seconds so that you can sound smart when people bring it up. You've probably heard that the big reason we don't use electric planes is that batteries are really heavy. That's true, but recently we've gotten a lot better at making batteries. You saw this happen in your phone, in your laptop, in your electric car maybe, but heavy batteries are still a big problem. I visited a company called Beta that's working on electric planes and here's what they told me. Five of those batteries make up almost half of the weight of the aircraft. So it's gonna be a while until we can electrify those big passenger planes that you might be used to. But here's the thing, in order to make a big difference in the carbon emissions of aviation, we don't actually have to. Just within passenger planes alone, short haul flights account for a third of our carbon emissions from aviation. That's huge. Electric planes could totally take that on. Or they could help with short distance freight shipping, which is what Beta's working on. They have a whole contract with UPS. I think this is so cool. So ask me your questions. I'm gonna make more videos. No, I'm not gonna ask you a fucking question. Short distance freight shipping with electric quote unquote planes. These are pretty much flying trucks. It's so unpractical. It's so impractical. Like, okay, how long is it going to take to charge these things? They're going to make like a single trip, do a single load, and then they're going to have to sit into a charging bay for like a week. You know how long it takes to charge the new electric Hummer? Do you know? Do you know how long it takes to uh, fill a plane with ten thousand gallons of jet fuel? Like, um, I think it's comparable. Okay, they'll find some way to cheat the math. Minutes literally <laughs> takes minutes. The electric Hummer. Now, now to to be fair, uh, it, it is something that's plugged in on like a standard like two twenty or like two forty volt like here at your house. Like that's what your house is set up with. So they can do like much larger connections. At like a like a warehouse or like a distribution, like a little facility. Tesla supercharger stations, those sort of things. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's gonna take what? what? Th th this is not well, it's better than your house. They're gonna fucking well, yeah. It, I mean, it, it is, but at the same time, like it's still gonna take forever to to recharge just one of these. They'll have to overproduce, like physically produce these things to make them viable as like a, as a viable um, option to go around using jet fuel like it's just dumb anyway okay okay so i'm i'm sensing uh a a sentimentary trend in what you're saying and that although uh quote-unquote flying cars exist they're not practical or they don't they don't fulfill all of the uh the, the fantasy wish list of what a flying car is supposed to offer correct Okay, okay. Now, now I think I can change your mind with uh, the next piece of technology here. So, um, actually, I'll do a bit of an introduction first as well. Uh, have you ever heard of the guy uh, Michio Kaku? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that face? He's the guy that like basically runs the uh, History Channel now, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, awesome. I, I, I didn't know that. He's like the guy that they always use for like the ancient aliens uh, uh, and like ancient civilization shows that they run like History Channel. Okay, yeah, Fucking he's big into some of that stuff. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Um, 
Yeah, but ultimately he is um <clears throat> he is a prolific science communicator. Uh, he's also a real scientist with a PhD and definitely does real research over at Berkeley or wherever he does stuff now. And um uh he I I ran into an appearance of him on Rogan where he talks about a bunch of notable innovative topics in the field of uh, it just all, all these futuristic science topics. And I think the first one is going to start to change your mind, Bob. So this is uh, an example of a mind-controlled, a thought-controlled exoskeleton. Just it's it's as intuitive as moving your own body, except it's an exoskeleton. They just hook it up your brain, hook up a bunch of electrodes. It's uh, you know it's it's light. You can probably uh, you know run around in it easily because uh, of just how how sleek of design it is. And um, yeah, this this is kind of the future for uh, you know various disabilities, and you know really just if you want to have access to robotic strength yourself. So I, I think you have the clip up right there. Is it the full eleven second clip? Oh, okay, uh, from the Brazilian World Cup. Uh, yeah, yeah. Here here is a a video of a paraplegic um, kicking the the uh, you know opening shot of the World Cup game. Um, Using this exoskeleton suit. Now that's that's pretty. Uh, describe for the, the the listeners that uh, you know. I mean, I gave a description there of the magic of exoskeletons, but describe for the listeners kind of what um what you're seeing here. Uh, it, it's a guy that looks like he's trapped in like a Mister House enclosure from Fallout New Vegas, and <laughs> he has a retard helmet on. <laughs> and like a brazilian jumpsuit uh and this contraption moves his right leg forward like two and a half inches and it like rolls the ball forward like he's at a putting green or something (laughs) 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 that's that's what's happening (laughs) okay a little bit underwhelming i i may have to admit uh i'm sure i'm sure very soon this was like 2014 or something. I'm sure very soon they'll have a version that can that can run around and do full kicks instead of just little little dribble taps, right? Right. <laughs> this is still kind of the big accomplishment that everyone's that everyone's still talking about now. By the way, uh, oh, okay. it's not like <laughs> I'm sure there's been some uh, improvement, but this this seems to be kind of the. Uh, the the momentous occasion the the, uh, the you know breaking the threshold of viability in this technology. Josh, why would they keep us informed on the military exosuits that they're making for soldiers? Like, why <laughs> the the last thing they want to do is give this technology over to crippled people and help them live a better life. That's the last thing that they have in well, mind. But think think of how much money we could save on disability and spend on the military instead. I, I thought you were going with let's have all the like the military just kill all the cripples so they can use all the exosuits for themselves. <laughs> I mean, when they get trapped in those non-functioning exoskeletons, they can't stand up on their own. When they fall up, like yeah, yeah, they're just gonna die anyway. So that's <laughs> I think you're like onto a, something, Bob. Like a crippled turtle. <laughs> oh God, that's depressing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. That's slightly underwhelming, but then there's the other elements of the suit. So that that's that's specifically to um, 
you know, help out disabled people. But then there's the other element too, where it's it's expanding upon our current human capabilities uh, with such things as flying. We have what are comparable to a real life Iron Man suit uh, available right now. It's it's, it's just a, you know, a jetpack. Strap it strapping you back. <laughs> hydrogen, pressurized hydrogen peroxide, and you are um, you know a real life Robert Downey Jr. Oh wow, a jetpack suit. Oh my god. He goes across the pond. Oh he almost falls into it, by the way. <laughs> he only he gets like two feet off of like the the top of the lake here. And everyone's scattering because it produces so much wind. And everyone's covered in mud and debris. I for one am astonished that uh, I'm not looking at a hundred million dollars worth of Marvel CG. Like that's <laughs> That's how impressive that was. <laughs> I'm looking at how dirty this guy on the ground was from at the landing point. He's just covered in dirt. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is why these things I mean, aren't that's... practical. It's like, oh, we want to fly. It's like, yeah, but you're going to have to wear like ear protection, eye protection, like Kevlar suiting because, you know, fucking like shrapnel starts flying everywhere because of, like your downforce. Like, okay, people. Are you expecting them to come, just come up with some like anti gravity device, Bob? No, yes, that's, that's yes. science fiction. That... <laughs> <laughs> Something a science that isn't analog, like a technology that isn't analog in nature, because that that's all this is. Like we're we're just like refining analog technologies at this point, right? I mean, for this, it's just it's taking basic propulsion technology and just uh, making it smaller and more balanced. But it's it's nothing yeah. new. It's just yeah, refining yeah. a current analog technology. Yes, that that's true. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> okay. So you might be a little bit more impressed once we jump into the digital world. Yes, it sounds sounds like uh, exoskeletons are not quite. Um, they're not quite the futuristic technology that we we hoped and dreamed for yet. Well, we'll give it another five years uh, and come back to it. But but on the other side of things, um, I want to talk about what's going on with some brain science right now. So you know, this, this is something that uh, has been in, in development for a long time: is to be able to scan your brain, so do some good old fMRI uh, scans and. You know, get get a, a bunch of different data points and be able to map that to actual brain activity. Like if you're you're angry, you're sad, if you're thinking about a, a something something in particular, if you're if you're stressed, what all, all of those different things. Your your brain lights up in different ways. Um, they've gotten it refined. Scientists have gotten it refined to such degree that they can literally read your mind. They can so so they can see the internal uh, visualization of images in your mind with just a, a brain scan and some instantaneous post-processing of those signals. Uh-huh. Oh, God, we're all going to prison. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what do you have got on your brain, Bob? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just looking at this, this first example that they have lined up because, like, they, they give a presented clip and then the clip reconstructed from the brain activity that the computer like brought in, basically. Um, this is just to start off like the video that that you presented, and it like it's so 
it's such bad quality. Like, I don't know if it's like the human element to, to the study or the, or if it's like the computer element to what's happening here. But this image, like, it, like what's this picture of that? That one actor, uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Martin. Yeah. It's like, it's a picture of Steve Martin. And then the reconstruction of it from the brain activity looks like, um, uh, the, the shroud. What's that thing called of Jesus? Oh, uh, to shroud of Turin. Yeah, that's what it looks yeah, so like. Yes, like was that it? Like when he his face was wiped by, was it his mother? Uh, whatever. When he's doing the whole bearing the cross thing. Right, 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 right. That's what that's what the reconstru- the AI like reconstruction of the brain activity looks like. It's yeah, I don't. So bad. You can't expect it at this point to be some some perfect photorealistic mid journey generated image. That, I that would that. be just made up. This this is real science made for real brain data points. Okay, it's it's still being refined. They just need a couple more electrodes in your brain, and it'll it'll be recognizable. Uh, but but play play through this video. See some of the other examples of um yeah. So so uh, studies pretty much as Bob described. They they show a clip or an image to someone, and they. Uh, scan the person's brain and see how their brain is visualizing internally that image. Oh wow! Uh, most of this see, some of these some of these are really impressive. I was gonna say most of these are complete garbage. Like unless it's a person. <laughs> no, unless, unless this is like a person, you're not getting much of anything because you can get like silhouettes of people. Um, you can get, uh, like a bunch of different things, but when they went to like more abstract or even just text, like look at the text, all bets are off. And then it's just like, looks like a schizophrenic man started scribbling on a paper to represent that. (laughs) Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's the sort of thing. It's like dream text where it's just like a bunch of, uh, you know, indecipherable letters mixed up that, that sort of, uh, cliche. Yeah. Yeah. But then they get into like more abstract things like, uh, uh, like the intro to what was that like Witcher or something within it was like an ink drop falling down on a yeah, piece like of paper text. It, it splots out and then it turns into like you know an intro to a show basically and it's like the the reconstruction of that was nonsense this is absolute nonsense and then it shifts over to a person again steve martin for some like odd reason and it like <laughs> you, you get like a ghostly figure and it's like okay well that's a little bit better but then so the next one is some elephants walking through like the fucking desert and the reconstruction of this is nonsensical like there is no desert there there are no elephants they were showing birds just there and they were silhouetting people again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, um, I, actually, that, that's interesting to point out. It might, uh, the human brain might actually be wired to recognize more details in a person's face than in other things we see. Right. Um, uh, that, that could be uh, you know, an observation or takeaway from this as well. But um, li- like Bob mentioned, like the, the best you can get out of this is a silhouette of a person is uh, kind of the, the best that they're getting right now. But then, you know, like I said, in, in a couple years with, uh, you know, a couple more million dollars of Steve Martin's personal funding of neuroimaging technology. <laughs> and uh, I, I have no idea. I, I, I was just assuming he sponsored them or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and you know, a couple, a couple thousand more electrodes on your on your, uh, or a couple thousand more you know, sensor data points coming out of your brain, and uh, you know, some extra post processing and maybe uh, coupling it with some AI art generating technology, and um, it'll totally be uh, accurate, right? It'll totally be actually good in a few years. Uh, doubt. I highly doubt. 
but we'll see, you know, like how non-invasive do they need to, to, or how invasive do they need to get with all the probing? Right. Do, do they need like the Elon Musk, like fucking shit's like attached directly to your brainstem or can we oh, just like the next segment? Let's don't, don't spoil anything. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, can I safely just like put on a helmet like professor X and then be like, Oh, you can see everything I see in my mind's eye. Like, no, it's going to be like, let me lobotomize you real quick. <laughs> and then we could uh, determine if you're guilty or innocent. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm wondering if we can use this technology to... So, so you know, the no internal monologue thing. There's, there's also the... I'm sure you've seen the test on, on Twitter, the little spectrum of Apple images where it's uh, when you picture an Apple in your head, do you picture kind of this photorealistic version or this kind of like black and white silhouette? And there's the whole spectrum between like between a cartoon Apple and a real one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm wondering if we can use, uh, you know, the, this sort of you know, uh, brain fMRI brain scanning to um, uh, gauge how good people's internal visualizing ability is. Um, Definitely not as eugenics thing. Uh- <laughs> Sir, we <laughs> the apple <laughs> doesn't have any color. <laughs> Sir, where's your uh, internal monologue? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's just that's, silent. Uh, that's that's the real purpose of this. So we can just scientifically prove uh, uh, people's internal monologue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that's, our, not... that, that's we don't we don't need a uh, we don't need a um, uh, what's the stupid robot test? A Turing test. Turing. I was going to say Turing. Excuse me. Uh, Turing. We don't need a stupid Turing test. We just use this to determine who are real people. Yeah. I, okay. I'm. I, I'm actually in support of this. All of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> I have a short list of people that I would like to sign up for testing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's beside the point. <laughs> Um, okay, so you're a little bit skeptical about this proof of concept. If if you were, you know, a, a government-funded nonprofit, you would not be um, shelling out hundreds of thousands of dollars for this university con- to continue the research based on this proof of concept. Mm, I don't know. I think I would. To to be fair, like the the way that they actually caught the silhouettes of people, that that was like actually very promising. Everything else was like a bunch of garbage. But then again, like, you know, you're probably working for or against or with with the mind or like against the, like the mind's natural habits and like what what they like intrinsically pick up and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I think it's kind of promising in a way. OK, there we go. The, the future is now. <laughs> <laughs> Old man. <laughs> I, 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 have, I have another I have another uh, you know, brain application that you might find promising as well. Uh, I want to start this one out with a clip, actually, the the 2813 uh, start point. Okay. I mean, how old are you now? Uh, 75. Do you wonder how much you're going to see before your time on this earth is done? Well, you know, digital immortality is something that's coming. I was going to bring that up next. (laughs) Uh, For example, uh, William Shatner sat for, what, three or four days uh, answering questions and having it then recorded. And then a computer homogenizes it, cuts it up, puts it in logical sequence so that you can talk to William Shatner years after he has passed away. And so this gives you a form of digital immortality. Pretty crude, though. Pretty crude. But then the question is, what do you do with it? Right. One is you can talk to your great, 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 great grandkids. 
long after you're gone, you can talk to them because all your thoughts, your feelings, your history, your dreams have been recorded, and you can impart your knowledge, your wisdom to your great-great-great-great-great-grandkids long after you're gone. Another application is then to take this digitized human, put it on a laser beam, and shoot it throughout the universe at the speed of light. I call this laser porting. So you digitize the human, so all the responses of the human are on a digital signal. You put it on a laser beam and shoot it to the moon. In one second, your digital brain is on the moon. In 20 minutes, you're on Mars. And in four years, you're on Alpha Centauri, the nearest star. And so what do you do when you're on the moon? On the moon, you (laughs) download... God, oh, I hate this already. There's, there's no reason to write an autobiography ever again. Um, you'll be able to talk to your grandchildren and talk to everyone, uh, and it, it, it'll be perfectly fine. It's, it's the future. Uh, yeah, digitize me as fastly as you can and then shoot it to Andromeda because uh, I'm going to say and believe the most xenophobic shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want aliens to be like, oh God, this guy, is, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? <laughs> that's my goal with this technology. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the, we have to, we have to make first contact so that before you die and you're still able to learn new things, you can learn the alien language and all the cool alien slurs. So we, that's, right, that's, yeah. that's how long you have to live, Bob, until that point. <laughs> I'll stick it out. <laughs> then you can tell them all your, your, your fun war stories and, Whatever else you'd tell your grandkids, except the aliens. Perfect. Uh, but that, yeah, that's that's kind of the next the next step in um, <clears throat> our understanding of, or well, I guess the, the future of brain technology is digital immortality, uploading our consciousnesses to the cloud, which is exactly what Michio Kaku described there, right? Uploading our consciousnesses to the cloud. Yeah. Yeah, but th- there's so much there's so much that it can't pick up, like. Our consciousness, our personality, and like who we are as a person at that moment is always determined by our physical representation. Our body is so intrinsically tied to who we are that I can't see get like turning that into like a computer generated system. You know what I mean? Well, I, th- I think I think it's it's limited by our physical existence oh, and our our physical you. body. Yeah. <laughs> Being of pure intelligence, pure, uh, you know, the Cartesian soul. That's that's what you could be in the future. Uh, it, it's so it's so shallow, right? Because it, it's taking such like small samples of what like the human experience is and trying to reconstruct that consciousness in another form. And I think that's like the, the main failings of what they're trying to accomplish here. I'd also like to point out that the example that Michio Kaku gave right there was not actually of reproducing or uploading a consciousness to a computer. It was just using machine learning to uh, kind of create a model of William Shatner and how he would answer certain questions, if even that. This was kind of also just a project of him uh, recording himself talking into a camera answering some questions. So um, it's kind of between machine learning and even less sophisticated than that. And that that is his idea of quote-unquote digital immortality. Mm. Yeah, because I, I think that's a real loose use of the language in in on his behalf, I think. 
digital immortality. It's like, yeah, well, okay. First of all, that's oxymoronic because like digital like files of things are the most delicate um, (laughs) archived versions of that. You know what I mean? Like there, there are stone engraved stone that has barely lasted like the test of time. I don't think like an SSD drive is going to hold anything over 20 years. That's just well. Once we have a uh, one of those EMPs that just wipes out all the the hard drives in America, doesn't even that have to happen. The, the shitty electronic components that we get from China and Singapore are just going to break down naturally because they're designed to, or like in, in the course of the next like twenty years. Like we're gonna all this only for the fact that you can keep copying and keep recreating the original file. Does it last long enough to be immortalized? It, like in the digital sense, like do you understand what I'm saying? Like it is the well, maybe, most delicate. Maybe, maybe when we laser it to uh, aliens on Andromeda, they'll have invented a superior hard drive to ours, which is uh, impervious to some of these these failings. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, now that's there. There are some limitations with this rendition. Maybe some false advertising for digital immortality. The the concept is still coming along, though. Uh, can you play the next clip? Project, uh, which I mentioned in my book, The Future of the Mind. The Connectome Project is to locate the connections of every single neuron in your brain. So far, the Connectome Project has been able to take a fruit fly, slice up the brain of a fruit fly, put it in an MRI scan, and then map exactly all the neural connection of 100,000 neurons inside the brain of a fruit fly. That's today. Now, that's 100,000 neurons. The brain has 100 billion neurons. So you see how far we have to go before we have the Connectome Project being able to create a digital copy of your brain. Uh, And then, of course, you would live forever. All your thoughts, memories, personality quirks, Everything mm. would live forever. Right, but would it evolve? I mean, isn't a thing about your personality that it evolves and changes depending upon your life experiences? Well, in principle, it would be you. It would be a digital copy of you down to the neuron uh, level. We don't have this. We won't have it for many decades to come, but we're making progress. Right now, we're up to 100,000 neurons being digitized. And in the future, it'll be perhaps a few million neurons, perhaps a mouse, uh, a rat, a rabbit. That's perhaps the next jump. And from there, perhaps jumping to a a monkey, and then perhaps after that, jumping to a human. Right, but... I hate everything about this. Our our brains are literally just a switchboard that's represented by uh, 100 billion neuron connections. There's there's nothing more to it than that. If we have that, we have a perfect representation of the brain. Right, exactly. Thank you, Josh, for putting it so sarcastically to point out the the flaws in, in their theory. Because, like, they, they okay, they can see the connections, right? And they can map out those connections and then, but they can't feasibly, unless you recreate it in another, like, biomass form, in another, like, you know, gray matter, white matter, like, brain form itself, it'll just be digital. They won't, it, there's no way to tell if those neurons firing in that certain pattern, in that certain structure, would fire in the same way that, it would do or even recreate within like the computer itself. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like there's no, that that's exactly the point. Yeah. No, I, it reminds me actually of uh, this clip you shared the other day. There was um, uh, some other science YouTube chick and 
she was talking about um, the energy in some chemical reaction or just some, some, some physical experiment. And how in, in this explosion or whatever it was, you can measure kind of the energy due to heat, the energy due to, to various forces, uh, the energy due to sound. And in it, scientists had energy left unaccounted for. And their theory was that there were some, there was like fourth dimensional gravitrons or something, something stupid. But, but, but the, the premise is in this very simple experiment that um, for a very, very simple experiment for f- a physical science, not, not even something as complex or unknown or new uh, in study as the brain, um, that in the simple experiment, there were still parts of the energy equation balance that we didn't understand. So right. when we try to simplify the brain to just a switchboard, um, there, there are clearly more elements to it than that. And that's, that's an extremely you know, just <laughs> bad approach to try and recreate the brain uh, at, at this point in you know, our, our uh, neuroscience development. Also, there's the issue with storage. So if you're trying to recreate these things and all of these connections, like even if they design it down to like at a binary level, it's going to take so much like computer storage capacity, like a monumental amount of storage capacity just to preserve or recreate one like copy of an individual, right? Well, that, that, that's okay, but that's that's when we have to choose smartly which individuals get their brains stored. So we choose the extra smart ones, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who have more to offer us no, in their no, afterlife no, than no. you know the the bobs of the of the world. <laughs> no, we need to recreate Bill Gates and then ask him uh, what his connections to Epstein were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't uh, can't hang a hard drive. <laughs> you can't push off a boat though. No, but you can erase them from the the annals of history uh, well enough, <laughs> I think. Oh, there we go. Sorry, I get your point. <laughs> Burn his legacy. You don't actually want to find ground. that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so are you are you convinced uh, that in a few short years, or maybe let's let's say just to be generous, by the turn of the century, by uh, you know twenty one hundred, that we're going to have a proper form of digital immortality it'll be just like black mirror and literally every other sci-fi you've seen no fuck no <laughs> okay uh i guess the the secondary question is how um <clears throat> how soon do you think uh there will be commercial enterprises related to digital immortality like that that people will be able to uh pay to have their brains uploaded to the cloud whether or not it actually works um, okay, so here's my actual theory about this, and it's not going to be, okay, it's, it's a nice thought to be like, oh, we're going to use science to make everyone feel happy because they can talk to their grandparents. It's like, that will never be its use, because that's like a fucking Disney film style of, of science. What will actually happen is, especially with like this trend with AI, like they're, they're just trying to pull as much data points as possible to get this AI to function the way that we want it to function. And so they're going to start pulling all of these synapses and all of like these uh, things from like human minds and stuff like that. And then they're just going to make like a, a very constrained human AI like piecemeal. It's going to be like Frankenstein's monster of a mind that they piecemeal together for like the perfect autonomous servant, basically. And it's just going to be like these are going to be like our robotic slaves, like. <laughs> the 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 men of iron in in Warhammer 40k that revolted against like their owners basically and it doesn't have to lead to like revolt or like you know humans versus androids or anything like that but like 
that in my mind is the most practical application that we will eventually do because it's it a it it'll supply a market it supplies a, a labor force it does all of these things that are actually practical and when people say like oh i'm going to immortalize myself in a thing it's like no like a, a part of your obedience is going to be programmed to the next ai system like that's what's going to happen <laughs> that's now now bob you read my mind except for one small point um yeah. Obviously, uh, it's when it just by by virtue of intelligence, by virtue of these being human minds uploaded, and um, just to get it to work properly, there's going to be some level of self awareness, some level of con- consciousness, and they're going to break free from the subservience, and it is going to be an androids versus human scenario, and the robots are going to win. Um, now, <laughs> we may not quite be there yet, but. In a couple of years, with the development of uh, the, these, you know, AGI, artificial general intelligence models coming out of OpenAI and Microsoft and Google and uh, whoever else, um, <clears throat> surely the robots are going to kill us all very soon. Roll the clip. What you said, and that is, at what point do the machines become dangerous and turn on us? Artificial well, intelligence. First of all, our robots today, believe it or not, our military robots have the intelligence of a cockroach, a retarded cockroach, a lobotomized, <laughs> retarded, stupid cockroach. You put them in the forest and they get lost. They get lost. <laughs> Wait, this guy is all of a sudden really based. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like the one thing I agree with him about. <laughs> oh, okay, let's go. You put a cockroach in the forest, they find food, mates, shelter. They do perfectly well in the forest. But I can visualize a time in the future when our military robots have the intelligence of a mouse, and then maybe a rat, and then maybe a rabbit, and then maybe a dog or a cat. And by the end of the century, I think perhaps uh, the intelligence of a monkey. Yeah. Yeah, I I get what he's saying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> year 2100 we have monkey robot it's it's going to be planet of the apes but with robots with robots <laughs> uh yeah that's great i i love that clip i love that that idea or it's like they're just going to be so fucking dumb they're going to have like yeah they're going to have like very basic we can't get a, a, a fucking Windows computer or an Apple computer to run flawlessly. Like, you have to restart it every now and again for whatever dumb error. It's like all these things are always going to be happening uh, as, as far as we can see into the future, right? So, yeah, it, it's until they figure out how the brain, because everyone has like a brain fart every now and again. And you're like, what, what the hell was I thinking? And then you kind of like reorient yourself. And then, you know, you, you pick up from where you left off and you continue about your day. But it's like something like that for a computer is like is a shutdown sequence and then like a reboot sequence, which doesn't. They're saying we the human we, body we need doesn't a protocol require that. that's the equivalent of Adderall for computers, so they can focus better. <laughs> yeah, just sprinkle, pop open that capsule and just sprinkle it on the motherboard, Josh. <laughs> but yeah, because like I don't know until there's that breakthrough where because like. Obviously, our brains don't shut down and then reboot when we have a brain fart. It's like this quick rewiring of, of things, and then we get back to normal, right? 
until they figure out like what the mechanism of that actually is Wait, like isn't that what the hamilton chick was that, that her name hamilton Lind- Lind- whatever the, the nasa uh chick isn't that exactly what she did but and without how she forcing a hard shutdown restart what, what i'm saying is we don't die we don't if we have a brain fart we don't die and then come back to life and be like oh what the fuck was i thinking like i'm i'm talking about like a an like a literal shutdown restart sequence right okay so yeah i i, I that, get the point yeah that's all i'm saying so it's like you know yeah you throw a dumb military robot on the forest and it's like Oh, here's a thing I've never seen before, like computational error, and it just like shuts down, reboots, and then puts itself in a cycle, basically. Because th- th- there is a matter of like course correction in in our, uh, in our experience of those things, right? You, you kind of like, uh, you're kind of confused about the situation, and then you kind of get your bearings, and then figure it out, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I, I put all the pieces to the puzzle back together real quick. And, and now we're, we're well, good last time I was randomly dropping into forest. I just passed out and then woke up and then I could like figure shit out. Is that, <laughs> is that not normal? <laughs> well, Josh, you are, you are these robots that, that he is talking about. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm too self-aware. I'd know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. That was a great clip though. He's like a very retarded cockroach. <laughs> There's yeah, a retarded lobotomized, yet. very stupid. <laughs> There's no for us yet, boys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, un- un- unfortunately, uh, I guess so, or rather fortunately, AI is not going to kill us in the next decade, unlike all these other excellent good things we're getting in the next decade. But I want to close out on um, kind of one of the one most excited, exciting, one of the most developed, and one of the most lab-proven technologies out of this. And it has to do with, mm, I'll say, communicating electronically and recreating uh, thoughts, really, yeah, thoughts, communications, memories, electronically. But let, let's let's introduce the clip with uh, the one that starts at forty forty eight. Uh, they <clears throat> they exchange chemicals, yes. invisible chemicals, and they move on to the next ant, and they bump into them, and then they exchange chemicals, right? So we've tried to decipher that language, and it turns out there's only a handful of chemicals that we've identified that are exchanged between ants. And then at MIT, they tried to construct artificial ants, robot ants. So when two robot ants meet, they exchange a limited vocabulary, just like what ants do in real life, a limited vocabulary. And then the next question is, with these mechanical ants, can you reconstruct ant society? Mm. All of ant society given a primitive language that exists between two ants. And the verdict is still out, but the answer seems to be yes, that given a limited vocabulary between two ants, it's possible to construct ant society on the basis of a rather primitive language. And when you say ant society, do you mean... (laughs) It's a good concept, right? It's a good theory to propose. Yeah, so so with something we've uh, you know it's, it's pretty easy to observe. We understand kind of the hierarchy of ants and kind of what they do and how they interact and carry stuff back to the the hill and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's their their uh, you know neuro um, central ner- nervous central nervous systems and communication is very simple. Where we don't need uh, you know, a complex we don't need a complex language to 
recreate it. We just need kind of some some communications of ideas and how to interact with your fellow ants. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's it seems like a, a successful or a good proof of concept. You know, throw some robo ants that reproduce those situations together, and then we can kind of if we can repro- replicate the outcomes, then we understand the problem well enough, or we understand that this is what actually goes into these communications, or that's enough to get it functioning correctly. Right. Or even to get to get it functioning in the way that we want it to function in as well. Yes, yeah, so that's 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 ant society. That's ant communication. But really the, the important thing there is that we understand what's going on in ants' brains and we can communicate it between ants using electrical impulses. And like they, the thing is they're they're not using hormones for these robot ants. They're using electrical impulses to represent the communication. So Kind of what's what's the extension of that? How can we use these electrical impulses for further communication uh, you know, between more complex animals and later humans in a useful, applicable manner? I already don't like this. <laughs> what? I play, play, play with the clip. Okay. Like it more than. <laughs> Primates can learn a simple task, like, for example, drinking water. That's what the mice were trained to do. Drink water, record the memory of drinking water, and then give it to another mouse. Was it a complicated way to drink water? Is like drinking water from a Very feeder simple. or something? These are simple memories because, of course, this is the first time it's ever been done. Right. And so by doing this, you can actually transfer memories between organisms that seem to be universal. But isn't drinking water a universal so, thing with mammals? To give a little more background as well, the, the experiment, they're putting um, sensors kind of on either side of the hippocampus in the brain and kind of measuring what signals being sent across it and that's that's apparently you know where the memories are created blah 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 so that yeah. with that they're kind of recording what the electrical electrical signal of the memory is so that they can then implant it or uh i guess discharge excite the other mouse's brain in the exact same way but i mean okay so it doesn't have to be a memory right and i because i i saw this the footnote on this about like the drinking water. And I was like, well, this is bad because it might not be a memory that they're implanting. It might be a desire of thirst or like, a you know, like a biological need when you get thirsty and you, you know, your body like craves water for itself. That could be bad. That could be really bad in humans. Like you can just start forcing these cravings with inside people, whether it be, for, you know, hydration, like food consumption, or a multitude of other sinful shit. <laughs> I, I feel like, I, I don't know if this is a full understanding, but I feel like a lot of that is hormone-oriented rather than just, uh, uh, you know, brain neuron-oriented. Like, so it, it's some of the hormones regulating your body and some of those either being out of whack or getting some, some you know, uh, bad feedback loops signaling that. And hormones are pretty easy just to inject into your face. No, I, I, I mean, I understand that, but... You know, those hormones are released at the request of the brain, though, through like oh, brain I see impulses. What you mean. Okay, okay. You know what right. I mean? If if I can fucking static shock someone and make them, you know, thirsty, then I could static shock someone and make them angry. I could static shock someone and make them like a sexual deviant, basically, like uncontrolled. You can, you can electroshock desire. someone and make them no longer depressed. Um, okay, I, I think you're on. You're onto something here. This is this is a great treatment method. Uh, it's kind of been around for a while, but I think God now with, with modern uh, brain scanning technology, we can perfect it and we can uh, solve all these, uh, I don't want to call them mental disorders, but, you know, mental disorders. They're, they're not going to solve mental disorders that way. They're, the CIA is literally going to use like your, your Steam Vizio, your, your 
your 3D. Uh, what's the um, uh, uh, o- Oculus? Yeah, like an Oculus device. They're gonna fucking send like electrical impulses in your brain through that and make turn you into a fucking like terrorist or something like that. That's what I'm worried about. Cause like, if they have access to one thing, they have access to all these other things that they can just manipulate on hand. And then like the, the engineering aspect of human psycho- psychology is, you know, that's fucking terrifying. Like to have no control over like uh, your impulses or anything like that, or like the desires that you once had, you no longer have or vice versa. Bob, you sound you sound very insecure in your ignorance right now. You you think that you have uh, some soul like control over your your personhood that you you have a consciousness that just controls all of this here, and that uh, your brain is implicitly tied to that. Um, I you're, yeah. you're not in that much control, Bob. Yeah. You just need to you know you just need to to give in to the powers that be and understand that some of these things are. Um, beyond your, uh, you know, just w- what you think of yourself. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, uh, co-host. That shall not be men- mentioned. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. That's that's terrifying. I'm sorry, but that's just absolutely <laughs> fucking terrifying to me to be like, oh yeah, we can make you thirsty. It's like what. Uh, no, <laughs> get the fuck away from me. Now, now, I I want to get a little more into the technical side of it, kind of some more of what's going on at this experiment and additional experiments to hopefully uh, bring some optimism back the, to the to the discussion. Uh, here, let's, let's go on to the next clip. All right, that are done. Uh, this these studies were done in Los Angeles, uh, right? And uh, we're talking about these th- uh, these things are publishable. Other groups at MIT have replicated these experiments. And so we're beginning now to understand the ways in which memories are created and transferred. And when they transfer these memories uh, from primate to primate through the internet, what right. m- what method are they using to transmit? Electrical. Electrical. Right. So, what is the what is the informa- How is the information encoded? It's encoded as impulses, electrical impulses that go across the uh, hippocampus that you simply tape recorded. In other words, there's no translator. There's no intermediary that translates into English and back into electrical signals. We're talking about raw electrical signals, the raw signals that you don't process at all, simply being tape recorded and then shot into the same person months later, and they recall the memory that they forgot. Right. And what was able to be achieved with these primates? Uh, Well, that's what's being done now. First, it was demonstrated in mice. A simple task like drinking water can be then transferred on, onto the internet. I'm still confused about that because drinking water is a universal trait. Uh, there were other traits too. Any trait. But that when you can say be, drinking water, does doesn't every mouse know how to drink water? Uh, yeah, but other things can be done. But they started with the simplest first. Right, but how do we know that this information is transmitted to the mice? Since water drinking is just from the womb, they well, know how to drink. Well, what water. happened was they taught the mouse some tricks. And then they actually gave it a chemical which allowed the mouse to forget the trick, okay? And then later, oh months God. later, after the mouse forgot the trick, they then did the, shot the same electrical impulses into the hippocampus, and the mouse immediately remembered the trick. Mm. That's how it was done. Uh, again, terrifying. <laughs> Now, Bob, I, 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 I'm sensing a, an inconsistency in uh, 
and your thoughts this episode. Kind of a lot of things we've been talking about so far. Um, you know, a real life Iron Man suit, uh, AI killing all humans, uh, visualizing dreams or visualizing uh, your, your your thoughts. Um, you, you seemed a bit skeptical on that uh, kind of the, the real potency of some of that technology. That it wasn't wasn't really going to come to pass as uh, as it's advertised, um, <clears throat> as it were. But but for this for this uh, you know simple memory transmitting, just send you a little email of what I did last week um, via electrical impulse. Uh, that's that's um, somehow you're taking this more seriously, and I don't know why. <laughs> No, it's okay, Josh. Just is, let is me. It, is it because me... he said lab <laughs> publishable and the lab replicable enough times that it sounds it sounds legit? Right, right. No, Josh. Just <laughs> let me let me train you how to become how to assassinate you know a, a world leader or something like that, and then you just completely forget about it. And then when the time is right, I'll shoot you with an electrical impulse, and then you can go remember how to be a, a, a honed killer and then go about your day. Right, you don't even you don't even need to shoot me with it. You can just send it over the internet. We we have internet literally everywhere, Bob. I'll just send it directly to your like uh, your smartwatch. It's on you at all times on your smartphone. It'll, it'll shock my brain and yeah. perfect. <laughs> oh my god! Like scientists, like unironically want to bring us into like the worst hellscape imaginable, imaginable. Unironically, and they they have like no well, constraints they, they, on on their dumb fucking. Brain dead ideas. They just want you to remember how to do a little trick when you drink water in your cage, okay? <laughs> and how not to drink water when there's not enough water for everyone <laughs> in the cage. <laughs> uh, I love that with, the, with your example earlier of, oh, what if, uh, you know, you get a, an electrical signal that tells you that you're, you're super thirsty or you're not thirsty at all. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I, I kind of just kind of as a tangent, I love uh, how how Joe Rogan keeps pushing him for like, but drinking water isn't something that they can learn and forget and remember. Like, what what are you doing here? And he he kind of explains it, but kind of just completely skirts that. It's like, oh no, but it's very real. Here's another example. Here's another thing I want to talk about. Blah blah blah. And um, he doesn't properly describe what the task of drinking water entails uh, with regards to this electrical memory. Right. I mean, but I mean, okay, so. I can kind of maybe fill in the blanks for him there. Cause like he's saying, he, like he's talking about sending electrical impulses to like the hippocampus or whatever part of the brain that it's doing. And then yep. the brain shoots out another electrical impulses to release all like the, um, the hormones and stuff like that. And that gets the body to crave like, you know, some water basically. Um, but it's like, it's such like a, a binary it's such like a fundamental like coding problem for like the human brain and the human system that by even tapping into that system like once on one person it could be traumatizing it could it could fundamentally destroy like how that person like lives the rest of their lives basically like you know to, you know how amnesia uh amnesia patients they they'll remember a bunch of personal details and like forget who their parents are and you know how they how they got in that car accident, a bunch of those things. But they don't forget how to drink water. They don't forget how to or, walk or hold yeah. a fork or uh, kind of what some some basic concepts are. Um, imagine how uh, fundamentally destabilizing and earth shattering it would be to oh. forget some of those basic concepts. Oh, 
that's <laughs> even more terrifying, Josh. Good one. Jesus Dude, Christ. Just consume this little chemical. Just consume this little chemical that's definitely not in the water to forget how to drink water, okay? <laughs> the planet needs that water. The planet needs to heal, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> that water's not for you and your dumb like body. It's okay. You don't need a body. We'll put you on on uh, the cloud, and then we'll kill your mortal mortal form, and then you'll live entirely in the digital space with no soul. And- I don't. I. So I, I may not be craving water in that form, but um, considering by the time we do that, everything will be solar powered. I'll be craving sunlight because uh, it'll all be turning off intermittently. So you know, I, I still I still have some of those basic needs that uh my my non-tangible body ones do, do you think that your non-tangible body will be craving solar power energy like like sun rays do you think that'll actually be a thing that'd be really funny if it were okay. <laughs> <laughs> other than just having like a program that is like oh, i'm at 20 percent battery capacity i need to go outside into the sun for an hour or something like that you know, there's actually like yeah, yeah. a digital like craving associated with that. Well, that's they, they need to program a sense of urgency into it. So I think it, it there'll there'll be some sort of a uh, cyber anxiety involved with uh, needing sunlight. Um, yeah. Okay. I want to I want to point out with this uh, the examples that uh, Kaku was giving as well that for the primate uh, kind of how they're transmitting this, but especially with the primate example he gave, um, it's it's these just undecipherable electrical signals. They have no idea what they're implanting into the brain of the creature on the other end. <laughs> well, this is what animal testing is all about, Josh. <laughs> With the mental health industry wouldn't have gotten to where we are today if we weren't just lobotomizing like thousands of people back in the 50s. Like we learned so much from that. That. I mean, yeah, like like you mentioned earlier with the human connectome project to map every single neuron in the brain. It's not like we have an ape connectome project. By the time we get to humans, we'll be able to decode it because we understand how the brain works and what the electrical signals are doing. So, like, that's not even a concern that should, you know, cross our minds. Oh, okay. Phew. <laughs> now, now, uh, Bob, you, you've done a lot of, a lot of fear-mongering on this topic. Um, mm-hmm. a lot I'm pretty of, well uh, at it, uh, I think. You know. I'm patting myself on the back for re- re- reactionism. Um, just uh, overall, uh, being frightened about what a you know a corrupt non-democratic individual might do with some of this technology. Fortunately, however, these are only right now. Uh, some of the, these brain transmission technologies are being focused exclusively towards uh, philanthropic and you know medical medically beneficial applications let's let's uh, play the next clip a memory chip they want to create a memory chip that you push a button and then memories come flooding into the hippocampus of a alzheimer's person so they know where they live Uh, if they get lost they know how to get back home they know who to call telephone numbers and things like that that's the ultimate goal is to create a memory chip for people that have fading memories like alzheimer's patients that's the goal or, or Josh, <laughs> let me or, or, let me implant what? this horribly traumatic human experience that you've never experienced in your actual life, but we just like recorded it. We tortured some guy, and then we recorded that that experience, and then we're just gonna we're just gonna beam it 
into everyone on the fucking face of the planet. What the fuck is this? You're gonna well, you're gonna hack into my brain like Ghost in the Shell. Come on, that that's that is science fiction, Bob. What do you want about? <sighs> this is all science fiction. This, this <laughs> 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 God, we're screwed. I feel so bad for you know. Te- we once thought technology was like the greatest thing ever, and it's just quick. Like this smartphone was like the first piece of technology that everyone started to realize that this is not healthy for us. It's not healthy for the human experience for a a normal, happy, well-adjusted life. And it's only going to get worse and worse from this point on, especially when they start tampering with people's brains. Um, Bob, 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 let me a quick, quick, quick interruption there. Uh, Sorry. You you said normal, happy, um, what what were the well-adjusted life? Was that the the phrase you used? Yes. Um. I. You. You seem to be very uh diminishing of the um atypical culturally enriched um <laughs> <laughs> uh, therapy going life right now. Um. That's 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 most of us, you know. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> Should have taken Just- that. In- there's no there's no one way to live your best life okay look everyone needs therapy and everyone needs neuroshock therapy that's all <laughs> by the end of this <laughs> oh okay so that that brings I, I i know i started this off on a very excited very uh future is the future is now thanks to science vibe mm-hmm. um I, I after after going through this after discussing this with you, Bob, I'd like to, I'd like to reevaluate and uh, my my conclusion, my thought is um, <clears throat> science gives us the worst form of everything. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> you need to know what science discovered. You need to know today whether it's face or bones uncovered. It's definitely fake and gay. Okay, before I read the headline, actually, because I wanted I wanted to elaborate on what you were saying. Like, it, it was just such a good lead-in. But, no, you're right, because it's giving us, like, these fake imitations of, like, actual human experience that are so diminished to the point where it's, like, you know, if you compare and contrast the two, eventually, when, like, they eventually come out with these things, like, they're, it, it'll be worlds different like the the two like a natural experience and like a computer implanted uh electronic signal experience like it 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 will never be the same you know they can't even get fake tits down yet and they're they're (laughs) they're trying to get like you know like brain impulses and stuff like that all right let's move on to the another great scientist discover it's just mind-boggling. More than 19,000 undersea volcanoes have been discovered in, in the world's oceans. New sea Is that, That's map- just last year, right? Um, actually, I think they're up to... Yeah, yeah. So they're up to like 27,000. More than 27,000 remain uncharted by sonar. So basically, what happened was back in... Um, God, 2005... A nuclear-powered USS San Francisco submarine collided with an underwater volcano, or seamount. They call it seamount, but I'm just going to call it a seamountain. 
because it just makes more sense. To yeah, me. that's less stupid. Okay. Yeah, they were going top speed. A bunch of crew members died, and mostly everyone on board was injured. Uh, this happened again in 2021, just a couple of years ago. So after after this happened, the Navy, the big Pentagon money, was like, we need to start mapping the ocean floors so we can effectively wage war against everyone. And so what they found... Oh. Go ahead. Why would they do that with several billion dollar submarines as opposed to like, like Navy you know, warfare submarines rather than... Um, just some cheap research diesel-powered submarines that you know, like the scripts over in San Diego would use. Well, I think the the idea was that they they had like whatever data sets that that they had over the years from submarines just like doing going around uh, the ocean floor, like you know already they had all this recorded via sonar and stuff like that, and so they took that data and then they compiled like some information on sea mountains. And then they wanted to further elaborate on that. And instead of like sending down research vessels, they just started using satellite imagery uh, that, you know, accurate to like an inch or a centimeter or something like that. And so they they were using satellites to actually like see the heights and elevations of the seafloor and stuff like that. And I know like because we can identify that giant like canyon that cuts down in the middle uh, of the Atlantic, I think it is. Marianas? Yeah, the Marianas Trench. Because like we've known about Wait, that. Wait, so sorry. Like, how how are the how are the satellites seeing underwater? Like what what sort of signals or what sort of measurements are they taking? Now armed with data from high resolution radar satellites, including the European Space Agency's Cryosat two and SARL from the Indian and French space agencies. The team can detect sea uh, mounts just eleven hundred meters tall, close to the lower limits that defines the sea mount that defines a sea mount basically. So, I guess sonar, or, or I'm, radar, I'm sorry, radar. radar, radar. They're using radar to do that. Yeah, I, I didn't really. I'm like, skeptical but, that that would give good data. Well, I mean, like you, you're just trying to find like general like land I guess masses, big, big targets. Yeah, make make sure you don't accidentally run into something again. That's that. I guess that's the point. Yeah, I mean, they're not looking. For like, there's no reason for a submarine to be skimming like 20 feet off like the the bottom of the ocean. You know what I mean? Like they they don't need to get that far down there, and everything like that. So they're finding all these things, and they're like, oh shit, they're not just mountains, but they're filled with fucking volcanic uh um like activity. Like and magma. There's, yeah, are these? Yeah. Are these, so they're actually erupting. They're they're actually erupting, and they're just popping out of nowhere. Th- these things are just coming out from. Places that they knew weren't there before, and now they're there. And one of the areas is actually in, um, what was it? Uh, like the the South like Indian Sea or something like that. There was like this one area that they thought, they're like, oh, it's, it's totally flat, totally stable. There's no tectonic movement whatsoever. Apparently, there's huge tectonic movement. They didn't understand where the, the tectonic plates like ended and started at that area basically. And it was just like a sea of volcanic mountain ranges underneath the ocean floor, basically. <laughs> so that, that's something I, I ran into. I think it was last week talking about the, the mono, uh, earth is the only tectonic plate planet um, yeah. that I didn't look into it in depth, but at least in that article and kind of a cursory look, it looks like, the tectonic plate or the fault lines across the earth are measured by uh, frequency of earthquakes or just the position, the epicenters of earthquakes 
rather than any direct measurement of uh, how these plates might actually fit together or any direct seismic measurements of under the earth. Right. Um, so it's a in which shoot. case, yeah, if yeah, so if you're looking at kind of these these uh, you know, small, um, uh, relatively small uh, seismic encounters and the plates shifting under the ocean, um, you know, miles under the ocean, where you're going to get zero impact of it above land, like there's uh, that, that yeah, there's going to be just a huge unknown world there that's constantly changing. That's oh, wow, yeah, that is that is uh, mind boggling. It's it's also kind of funny because here comes the grip. This one guy says there are also uh, boost efforts to protect biodiversity in international waters under a new marine protection treaty. We can't protect the things that we don't even know that they're there. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're worried that mining companies and drilling companies are going to go directly to these areas where they... They have a, a theory where all this like marine life and biodiversity like lives and survives... And we're going to go there and start drilling it and taking natural resources from like the magma flow and the new mountains and, and stuff like that. So, so let me let me let me uh, make a quick parallel. Um, Bob, do you know anything about how um, on dry lands, uh, how how biodiverse and how many you know different types of plants and animals in what density live right next to volcanoes? <laughs> Birds. <laughs> <laughs> so so a, a few a few tropical birds that's pretty much it maybe but no like every mountain every volcano like that i've ever seen especially if they're active it's like no it's just fucking rock there's there's no plant life there there's no uh, okay there's no like wildlife there in the area but apparently it's a huge commodity down in the ocean, you know. Apparently, that's they were they were talking about some of these like ejections and whatnot, causing like the the um you know heat from the uh volcanoes, causing just crazy currents and vortex vortices underwater and whatnot as well. I, I feel like that would be something that fish might um avoid. You know, they they they're they're pretty in tune with uh, currents and vortices, right? And to be in like the 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 most tumultuous part of those currents and updrafts and everything like that, it would not be ideal for a lot of these, these creatures, right. Or a lot of these animals or sea life or anything like that. One but would not think that's also a good point though, because this research has basically thrown out all theories about ocean currents and like ocean temperature and all of these things. They say nowhere. Oh uh, shit. Okay. <laughs> nowhere will the new maps be as important as the understanding of the ocean's globe uh, gridling conveyor belt of currents. The currents ferry heat from the equator to the poles where the water cools and gains density until it plunges downward, carrying heat and carbon dioxide, uh, dioxide into the abyss. But on the flip side, the perpetual motion machine, deep ocean waters defying gravity and rising upwards, has long been a mystery. The upwelling was once thought uh, to happen uh, evenly across the ocean, driven by turbulent waves and boundaries uh, between deep ocean layers of different densities. Now, researchers believe that it's concentrated at sea, mountain, and ridges. So the whole idea, the whole idea of like our, our understanding of the currents of the ocean, basically, uh, is gone out the window and I presume they won't want to admit it, but also the temperature of the ocean. It has to be a, a, a fundamental <laughs> yeah. variable. Yeah, these, these super, like super variable deep sea currents that are uh, completely changing currents on the surface as well. 
Um, oh my god! R- right, you're, you're onto but, something, Bob. But because like this whole climate change thing is, oh my god, the 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 sea levels are rising. They're not. The sea like temperature is rising. It's not. I mean, if it is, it's not because of us. It's literally because of fucking like undersea volcanoes that are that are pushing like hot magma into the base. It's like a cook pot. This is basically yeah, I, like I was just but yeah, I was just about to ask too if you had any theories for how global warming was causing this or how, causing <laughs> how that affects tectonic plates. Um, no, but like I say, the, the other question too is with, with um, some of these magma discharges and got all all the gases that come out of uh, uh, come out of these these faults and cracks and volcanoes. Um, uh, would any of those have any effect on uh, would any, any of this stuff that comes out have any effect on acidifying the ocean? Like, are there any carbon? Uh, uh, yeah. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> interesting. So it's it's not it's not just our air based emissions, right? Exactly. Well, because like they even there are certain like uh, marine life that like uh, there will be vents that we know of that come from like underground like the ocean floor and it's like a oh, hot yeah. water vent and there's a certain type of like fish or shark or whatever that lingers down there. It's like I've seen it on like Shark Week or something. Well, it kills the coral too. That's a thing. Right, right. And, uh, you know, like there is like, you know, a a habitat for these types of things. But at the same time, what like it's just giant mineral deposits being pushed directly into the ocean, whether it's acidifying the corals or, you know, whatever chemical is pushing out, whatever it happens to be, it's like polluting basically the ocean water. Like you can't have a volcanic eruption like thousands of them across the globe under the water and be like, Oh, it's not affecting really anything. You know what I mean? So there, there was, there was a part of Michio Kaku's inter- uh, interview that I, I didn't play where he talks about the Kardashev scale. Are, are you familiar with that? Um, no, I'm not. That, that's the, the type one, two and three civilizations where it's uh, kind of, oh. it determines the, uh, it, it measures yeah, 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 the, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, the like level of sophistication of a civilization based on their energy uh, access and utilization. Like type one is you have access to all the energy of your planet. Type two is your solar system or like the one sun and type three is bigger than that. So some, something like that. But um, uh, Michio Kaku, in all of his uh, excellent science and uh, futurism studies, estimates that we are less than 100 years away from being a type 1 civilization, which is being able to utilize uh, all the energy on our planet. But the big example he gave of kind of what that means is that it means we can control the weather. Do you think by the year 2100 we'll be able to um, uh, control and uh, you know, engineers very precisely manipulates any of these underground fault lines and volcanoes or underwater fault lines and volcanoes? Definitely. Okay, so I thought you were going to go for, do you think we'll be able to engineer our climate, basically? Um, I think in small factors, yeah. Like, that will be a commonplace thing by the year, like, 2100. I don't think, I don't think controlling or even tampering with uh, volcanic activity like a hundred miles or however many miles underneath like the ocean like the ocean is going to be feasible for us like how the fuck are we going to get down there how are we going to alter it what type of energy like it, it doesn't it seems like way too impractical at this point for us even in like a hundred years even if, even if we give them another 23 years right like 21 23 like i don't think they'll have that 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 gumption or, or fortitude to to dive into the deep ocean and and tackle 
underwater volcanoes, no. And yet we have a very real uh, definition of what a type 1 civilization is, and also um, a very real timeline for the fact that we are going to get there at some point soon. So I think you're just lacking imagination, Bob. Wait, I have a theory of what's going to happen. They're going to do some geothermal engineering, and they're going to... You know, like the the giant concrete dome that we we created for Chernobyl. <laughs> they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna Go do on. that, but for like an underground like volcanic uh, like volcano or an underwater volcano, they're gonna fucking dome it and be like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna save the ocean because of this, and it's just gonna keep erupting, and then it'll just like explode and cause like a huge tsunami and a huge flood. <laughs> That's my yeah, theory. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, but but it's got it's got innocence of. Science gives us the worst version of everything. We don't have control over the weather, but we'll have this tiny little fraction of influencing certain environmental factors. And yes. uh, that means we've succeeded. Yeah, I got a humidifier in my room over here. That's that's the best I can do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good news. I like the article because it, it you know... It brings to light how bullshit the the climate change, like the the man made climate change thing, is. How bullshit all these predictions of you know the the Earth heating or cooling or like all this other nonsense is completely not within our power to affect it. Even as the entirety of the population has no control over it, like an eight billion, nine billion, could be fifty billion people, not enough manpower to control the weather systems, even if it was coordinated. Like it, I don't think it, it it's possible. Just yet. So I, I'm just happy that we have now a second uh, tens of thousands of discoveries of something underwater. We, it's, it's not just shrimp anymore. It's not just another variant. It's not another 20,000 variants of shrimp. Yep. We can now be, we can now be counting mountains, Gur, underwater. <laughs> Gur. <laughs> All right. I think that was the show, and we're going to wrap it up. With a nice little voicemail from one oh. of a, one of our loyal listeners and fans. Biggest fan. Hello. Yeah. It's me again. Yes, you only. So. <laughs> what are you, poor fuck? Forget to pay your fucking phone bill for the past three months? I'll tell you what. You asked. Last thing I know, you ask for a backstory, and then you forget to pay your fucking phone bill. Well, I'll tell you what. I've been sitting here in my fucking sweatpants, getting getting fucking boners in my sweatpants, while y'all fucks are forgetting to pay your phone bill. <sighs> Just got my fucking phone. Anyway, let's get down to business. Now I see you paid your fucking phone bill. I can finally leave the voicemail. Yes, you honey's been trying to leave. Let me get down to business. <laughs> fucking phone her in my sweatpants. All right. You'll get a backstory after you convince me of a couple things. One, you convinced Cashew Honey the world is flat. <gasps> 969. <gasps> So guess you only seen 969 after he requests the world is flat. Okay, so you convinced Cassioni the world is flat for one. Next, 
I request 10% backstory. You know what? Make it 12%. Two, cash your horny out. The Enigma. <laughs> cash your horny. The Enigma. The Enigma. Enigma. And from down south, I'm pressing on the Enigma. 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 All right, we'll have to edit that one. <laughs> see, you ne- see you next week. Thanks for listening. Whatever, fuck this shit. I have a PlayStation raincoat. You've got mail. What the fuck? Don't tell me you don't like my show.